You're listening to the Better Health Podcast with April, a platform dedicated to coaching women in areas of health, lifestyle, and legacy by speaking with leading health and wealth experts and with the goal to inspire women to thrive in their lives today and in the future. Now, on to today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Better Health. Today on the show, I'm speaking with Lindsay Kaup, who is going to be talking on all about pelvic pain and the hope that women have if they are going through it and that they can have hope to hold on to in the end. So welcome to the show, Lindsay. Thank you for having me, April. I really appreciate it. Uh, No problem. I'm really looking forward to this episode. And to get us warmed up, I'd love to know, first off, where are you from and what was your childhood and family like in regards to health? Ah, so I am from a small town of about 7,000 people called Panoka in Alberta, Canada. And my family, we were very active as a family growing up in terms of health, but everything was very fast and very, um, how would you call it? Like meat and potatoes in our nutrition. So meat, potato, vegetable on the, on the supper plate always, right? Or the dinner plate. And so Lots of us work in healthcare, but sometimes that's not the best for your own healthcare. Mm-hmm. So really uh, not a hard focus on anything except activity. Uh, so I played a lot of hockey growing up, which I know is very cliche and Canadian, but <laughs> that was my sport. So that's awesome. I mean, at least you were active and that's, that's huge. Um, however, diet, it's funny because I hear it so often when I interview people, it's like, yep, typical meat and potatoes or you know, I grew up with the sugary cereals. So it's always fascinating to hear what is the background of this person and now look at where they're at. And so what got you into the health realm and what you're doing specifically? So my, my occupational therapy colleagues will probably cringe when they hear this a little bit. I am a registered occupational therapist. So I have my master's degree in OT, and then I have uh, an undergrad degree in kinesiology but the plan was always to become a physiotherapist. So obviously playing hockey, I played right up through university, quite high level. Um, And I just wanted to make sure that I continued to help people be able to do what they want to do. And I thought that was physio. And then I was working as a physiotherapy assistant or physical therapist, I think you guys say in the States, assistant and the occupational therapy assistant went on holidays. And that was great because I got to go on field trips to prepare me to take both of our roles for the summer. And so I went and I saw all these amazing, cool things that were connected to physiotherapy. So they do blend and and share kind of some things, Uh, particularly physical health is a big piece. But also I saw people working in mental health and I saw people working, um, doing splinting. And one of the places I got to go was the head shape clinic where they make helmets for small children whose heads for some reason are malshapen. I didn't realize I would be there myself as a mother years later. And so I had 48 hours to choose when I got accepted. I had applied both to the OT school and the PT school. And for some reason, my gut just said, go to occupational therapy. So I always knew I'd be in the health industry. I always knew I loved working with people to bring them up to their optimal functioning, whatever that might be. But I never thought I'd be an occupational therapist. And that was hundred percent the best fit for me 
because now I work with people on what I call whole person pelvic health, where we work on the physical pieces. But I've also been an acute mental health therapist and worked with people in acute suicide and acute harm. Um, and we get to bring all of those things together and bundle them up so that we get a whole person pelvic health approach and we can function in whatever we want to do. Wow. Wow. Sounds like quite a journey. And it's really amazing how you blend, you know, the physical aspect to the mental aspect. And I love that. And we'll dive in a little bit later in the interview. Um, did you end up struggling with any pelvic pain or any physical um, pain at all? And is that what kind of triggered you to be like, okay, I want to help others as well? Or maybe you didn't and you just love helping people. Absolutely. So most of us in the pelvic health world are here with our own story. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would say I stumbled upon mine more than some other people. Mm -hmm. So public health, as we know, is not well known in the world. Honestly, it's exploding right now, which is amazing. Mm -hmm. But I didn't know about it until my first pregnancy. So that would be back in 2015. So I had already been a therapist for many years, but had no clue that this niche or niche even existed. And so I started looking up things and I was looking for leaking during pregnancy. I was like, this sucks. Like I'm leaking and I got to be doing work. So it's really not fun to be in like a session with someone who's telling you these really deep and personal things. And you're like, man, I got to go to the washroom or this is going to be bad. Right. It's not very therapeutic. Yeah. So I was looking for myself. And then once I stumbled into pelvic therapy, I was like, Hey, I can do this. So in the United States, there's many occupational therapists who work in pelvic floor therapy. In Canada, I am one of the first two or three. We're up to 10 <laughs> in all of Canada. Marked that in the books. <laughs> right? But what actually came out of that is I didn't realize that you shouldn't have pain with sex. Mm. Well, I had been having pain with sex for a decade almost. Wow. And then before kids or was it after kids? from the very onset of sexual activity and what ended up happening was it would get progressively worse over that decade because once something hurts you you pull back your yeah. your brain is going ooh i don't know if i want to do that that hurt last it time it's a little bit of stress to the situation and yeah it's not very romantic <laughs> it's not romantic right <laughs> so i stumbled onto my own pelvic pain journey that way and I'm really excited because that is something I've been able to work with myself and other therapists on and has improved drastically. Wow. wow. It's, it's pretty crazy because I actually interviewed a woman, a woman, um, Erica Young, a few weeks ago, and maybe you listened to that. And she spoke all on, you know, pelvic fitness and how to avoid peeing when you sneeze. And she was talking about how you know, I was helping women with their pelvic fitness and like exercise. Well, me, myself, Erica was experiencing, you know, peeing when she would jump and she's like, what the heck, you know, I'm this fit person. I shouldn't be experiencing this. And I hear I'm training others. And it was actually very common. She ended up finding out. So it's pretty crazy. Um, once you start asking and like diving in how common it really is. It's very common. And fun fact or fast tip for everybody, and I, I can't remember if Erica talked about this or not, but almost half of us are what we call over-engaged. 
Mm-hmm. And so we might be really fit individuals. And I like to kind of my favorite group of people is the fit, um, high achiever, usually a little bit of anxiety thrown in there. Like we want to do really well and we want to do all the things, which I'm going to throw my own hand up there as one of those people. (laughs) And we typically are over-engaged. We don't need to strengthen the pelvic floor right away. We're usually needing to release, learn how to open and relax and create a full range of motion in our pelvic floor. So though it's counterintuitive, we actually work on bringing that whole nervous system down and calming it down so that the muscles can open and relax. And that is what we typically start with, with those people. Afterwards, we might build up that pelvic floor back. We want to be strong. We want to be fit, but we also need to have full range of motion, just the same as our arm or our bicep. Mm -hmm. It needs to be able to unfold and flex both of the motions. Wow. Interesting. So I'm definitely going to tap back into that. Um, Before we do though, could you just define what pelvic pain is for those that are listening and they're not quite clear on it? Absolutely. So pelvic pain doesn't have a great solid definition. Like you're not going to be able to pull up something. It's going to be the same everywhere. Mm. So the way that I personally define it is acute. So right now or chronic, which is more persistent, pain in either the vulva, which is the bottom outside of our, our anatomy, right? The vagina, which is the actual vaginal canal where we could insert anything, right? Or anywhere in that kind of the hips and the pelvis. So front and back. So some great examples are symphysis pubis dysfunction or pain in women who are pregnant. So they get pain right at the front. Mm. Uh, It can be low back pain, which is one of the number one disabilities in the entire world, if you're looking from an insurance perspective. Um, So low back pain is incorporated in pelvic pain because our pelvis and the pelvic floor is only the bottom of the system. Mm. So our pelvic inner core system is actually the pelvic floor. One of our deep abdominal muscles, our diaphragm, which our breathing muscle, Mm -hmm. and then a couple muscles up and down our back. So you think about that whole kind of trunk is where we would have pelvic and or abdominal and or low back pain. They're usually all associated with one another. Okay. Okay. That's great to know because, you know, you might think it's one area only not entailing all of this or all of that or your back. And so it's great to define that. So then when it comes to women that are, like you were describing before, more high achievers, um, have a little bit of anxiety. And so like, I'm thinking about myself, I feel like I am always in more of a tense state. And I remember when I first started dating my boyfriend, he would like, he would try to like crack my back or he'd give me a hug. And he's like, wow, you're just so tense. And this is what I've always known. And so what is the first steps to learning how to relax like your pelvic area as someone that is more tense? Yes. I can say I've been through this myself as well. And many people will relate to this, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The first thing I would say is that most people don't connect well to the word relax. So -hmm. our language is actually super important. Um, when you tell somebody to, Oh, just relax. Do they ever just relax? It gets you more heightened, <laughs> right? You're like, Oh, I, now I got to try harder. Right. So we need to actually find what connects with that person in terms of the language that we're going to use. Mm-hmm. So open or range of motion sometimes will work. 
And the other thing is, is that high achievers want to know what are we supposed to be doing? Like, yeah. what do you want me to do? Because they want to do that. So we use a lot of visuals. So either with the public model or video that shows them just how much movement is actually in the pelvis. So when I ask someone to relax, quote unquote, which probably wouldn't be my words, but we're going to open and elongate the pelvic floor or, you know, unravel the pelvic floor a little bit, let some tension out. What I actually typically get them to do is start at the ribs because whatever our diaphragm does, our pelvic floor will do. They mirror one another. So the diaphragm is the big breathing muscle up kind of underneath our lungs at the bottom of our rib cage. And when we breathe in, and you can try this if you like, April, you can take a nice deep breath in through your nose and you're going to try and feel your rib cage open up like an umbrella. So it's opening up 360 degrees. And when you exhale, that umbrella closes. So you can breathe out through your mouth or your nose, whatever you like, close it. And that rib cage actually expands and contracts. Right. The best part is your pelvic floor just did the exact same thing. No way. Wow. Yeah. And wow. so the way people can notice that is they can put their hands, if they like, mm-hmm. underneath their sit bones, which are those bones that get sore if you sit too long on a hard bench. Uh-huh. And when you breathe in, what we should be feeling is those sit bones actually sink down and almost come out a little bit. So one of the seven-year-olds I work with, I do work with some children as well. She told me, she's like, Lindsay, is that like bubble gum blowing up in my butt? <laughs> yes, that is amazing visual. Great job. Well, leave it to the kids. Yeah, we want, we want the whole pelvis and the whole bum and the perineum, which is that skin underneath. So between the vagina and the, and the anus mm-hmm. to actually just sink and almost sigh open, which sounds really funny. You can't see a sigh, but you can feel it. Yeah. I and then when we... Yeah. And when we exhale, same thing, when your rib cage is going to come closed, those sit bones are going to move in. And then if we're engaging the pelvic floor, the way we want to, they will also lift just slightly. So the pressure will come up off their hands, or if they can't feel that, put their hand under their perineum or roll up a towel, sit on it like a hot dog. And you can feel that pressure change. Interesting. Wow. Great to know. So is this something that women should be incorporating daily or is it like, I guess, how often should women incorporate this to, you know, help your pelvic area and do you see results from it? And what type of results do you see from that? Yeah. The cool part is results are very quick Hmm. and this is how, um, people see success, continued success in their pelvic health journey, because we have to give the brain evidence that it's worth the time and the effort. Hmm. We literally need to bring that in, in as many ways as we can. So yes, we want someone to experience that right away. Not everyone is going to be able to, right? The other thing we're going to do is reinforce that through the sensory system. And this is where, again, occupational therapists love this because we do so much sensory work. Most people think of it with children, but we bring it into all of our practice. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say what I want to happen. So I'm going to set that expectation. So I've set it. Now I've heard it. I can write it out or my therapist can put it in front of me. So I'm going to read that. I'm going to watch a video on it. So I can have visual input. And then I'm going to do exactly what we're just talking about is give some physical feedback. So biofeedback, 
And mm -hmm. that's use your hand or a towel or something that's going to let you actually experience that change so mm -hmm. that you can move forward. So is it something somebody should do every day? Absolutely. Uh, we do not want to do, and we'll talk about Kegels, I guess, just for a sec. So a Kegel is a pelvic floor contraction or a Kegel, some people say. Um, we think about that as just the clenching of the pelvic floor muscles. Uh -huh. But that's only half of it. Like we just talked about, the other half is the open and let go. Hmm. So we want to do the both sides. Mm -hmm. And before we even get there, how many times a day do you hold your breath, April? Man, sometimes I will definitely be catching myself like working and then it's like, whoa, like I need to release and breathe here. Like I'm holding on to my breath right now. Um, and I've noticed a lot more ever since I started incorporating more breathing exercises into my life. And it's like, wow. <laughs> so quite often. So the very first thing is we just need people to breathe. Hmm. So we start with something easy. We're going to notice, are you breathing? So what's something that typically might cause somebody to hold their breath? They're hmm. really into something on their computer or they are going to lift something up like a child and they typically hold their breath and brace. And so those are, we're just going to pick a couple trigger points that they can actually associate with, oh no, I got to breathe through this. Mm. So I'm going to breathe through it. I'm going to breathe through it. I'm going to breathe through it. And then we start to be, make it a habit. Mm. So we used to prescribe Kegels 200 times a day. Do not do this. Like hard stop. Don't do it. <laughs> you will create <laughs> pain, which is the fun part. So we created a lot of pain for a lot of women probably 10, 15 years ago. Wow. So we need to incorporate it in our day. Do we need to be doing breathing exercises daily? I think so. Just because of our, our life. Mm -hmm. So breathing is beautiful in the fact that yes, it will help because it mirrors the diaphragm and the pelvic floor mirror each other. So it's going to help us open that up as well as do the contraction piece. The actual Kegel mm -hmm. is better with your breath. Then the other thing is it's an emotional regulator. What's the way that everybody says we need to kind of calm ourselves, be mindful, stop and do deep breathing, like yeah. diaphragmatic breathing. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, they often say to do that when you're trying to go to bed. Like, yes. I mean, we all know somebody or ourselves included that cannot fall asleep at night. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes like just those breathing exercises, calm your body. And like, not only does it calm your mind, but like now we're talking, it calms your pelvic area and mm -hmm. just, just your whole body. That's funny. That's one of the places I personally notice my tension in my pelvic floor. The most is when I'm laying there at night thinking about the next day, I'm not the best following my own advice about writing that down and just leaving it be. Um, but I'll notice my pelvic floor is tense, clenched, engaged. And I'm like, why? Like I'm laying here in bed. And so that for me is a cue. So being aware of our body and you can do that with a quick body scan. So just noticing from the top to the bottom piece by piece. Um, but you'll also notice that any body scan that I did before I came into pelvic floor therapy did not incorporate. And now notice your pelvic floor. And this is for men and women. We all have pelvic floors. Yeah. So going back, if I could do something different, for example, in when I was a mental health therapist, I would do some of the same things, but I would incorporate the pelvic floor. Hmm. Interesting. Okay. So, so what I'm 
grabbing is, you know, we need to state it. We need to state what changes we want and what we're going to be doing. So stating it out loud, maybe writing it down. Something biological. And then also, you know, having the full effect versus just, you know, clenching, but also the release is very important. That's, is that correct? Is that what I'm grabbing? You're doing awesome, April. And it's, I'm going to be very honest, it's the harder part, Mm. right? So we lengthen, then we strengthen. Mm. So it's lengthening the pelvic floor. You wouldn't go and do a hundred hamstring curls Mm -hmm. to get stronger on your hamstring without also doing your mobility and your stretching, because you'd honestly just be cramped up and not able to run. So we do both sides. Wow. Interesting. So what message would you tell the women that have been experiencing this for years and they feel like there's no more hope? Um, what would you tell them and what changes like could they start seeing in order to not experience that pain anymore? Absolutely. So number one thing, their pain is real. Mm-hmm. It's valid. It's true. It's not quote unquote in their head. It may be in their brain. Pain is actually built in the brain. Pain is not actually felt in our tissue and our knee and our elbow, but that's where we're experiencing it. And that experience is very real. And that's the very first thing that I I always make sure is that people feel validated in what they're experiencing because it's true. It's happening. Mm -hmm. The next piece is, and how, you know, we have people who've been living with this pain for 20 and 30 years, how or more. Mm-hmm. So who am I to walk in and tell them it can be better. But yeah. what I want them to know is that we can change pain. There is hope and there's two ways to go about anything or more than two ways. Right. But we can always decrease pain, which is yes, ideal. We want to do that in any way possible. And for example, we just talked about breathing that would calm the central nervous system, which is our brain and our nervous system that is creating those pain signals. Mm -hmm. But the other side of it is if we, let's say we could never decrease the pain. What can we do? We can increase someone's life around the pain. So there is always a way to either decrease one or increase the other. And to be most effective, we try and do both. Mm -hmm. So can we regulate the pain? Can we modify the pain, which the neuroscience in this, I'm going to geek out for a sec, is just unreal cool. It is so awesome. The very first time, if I'm doing a pelvic health assessment with someone, we will actually use our fingers and insert them gloved, obviously, into the vagina or into the rectum. And we're working on those pelvic floor muscles, the same as a massage therapist might, um, or a physio or OT on your shoulder, on your back. And with first time that we get them to actually be able to release one of those muscles through breath, through different techniques, it's like, uh, an epiphany moment for those people. They're like, what just happened? (laughs) And you just say like, let's experience it again. Let's experience it again. Now, is that going to be that easy for everyone? No. So we want to come back to the tiny little things. So we need to think about have we absolutely optimized, just the same as a business would, 
optimize every little thing that we can to be at our best health, Mm -hmm. to be at our best sleep hygiene, Mm -hmm. to be at our most um, regulated, right? To be, you know, be able to use our body in the way we want to. Most of us don't. Mm -hmm. Most of us haven't. I know I'm not there. You know, I absolutely should drink more water. My diet could improve. My sleep hygiene could improve. So all of those are potential areas for optimization. And right now in the world that we're living in, as you and I talked about before we got started Mm -hmm. with the pandemic going on, or however you want to talk about that, um, is stress. Mm -hmm. So I will actually ask people, you know, how's your job going? How's your marriage? How are your finances? Because when we're in heightened stress, we are going to increase pain mm-hmm. every time. Yeah. So we maybe need to take a step back from the pelvis itself, the pelvic floor. Um, I know you had Jacqueline on talking about endometriosis, and that's a large population of the women that we serve. And so when you take that a big step back, we can really look from a bigger lens and say, where do we have an opportunity to make a quick, easy win? Mm-hmm. It might be that we start a savings plan with somebody and that's crazy. It's not, most people not think of starting a savings plan or paying off debt as part of their pelvic health, mm-hmm. but it has a massive impact. That's so true. And it needs to be a big picture approach. You know, there's so many times where it's like, if I just change my diet, my health will be better, all this, but it's like, no, like, let's look at the big picture. Yeah. You may need to clean your diet up, but also like, look at the stress you're experiencing because of finances or because of family issues. You know, there's so much that plays into the health of our body, not just food. So it's a great reminder, great reminder. Wow. So as we begin to wrap up, there's one last question I have for you. And we did talk about, you know, daily breathe breath work for women that they can incorporate into their lives. Is there any other habits that women can incorporate to just, just overall help their pelvic pain? And it might be a holistic approach. Yeah, for sure. So (laughs) I'm a big fan of um, the book, The One Thing by Jay Papazan. Oh and gosh, just read it a few months ago. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's really interesting to me that the same framework works in health. It works in business. It works in whatever you want to improve on. Mm-hmm. It's going to work the same way. And really what we're doing is we want to start with very small easy wins, easy, achievable things. So I talk to people about how can we be 1% better today? Right. Mm -hmm. And there's a great story. I can't remember. It might be in that book. Maybe it was atomic habits. I'm not sure, but around the British cycling team, take a look at it. They improved by 1% a day and became a cycling phenomenon. Mm. It's so cool. But 1% a day, how do we fit that in as women and mothers and doing all the things, right? So for me, I drink coffee way too much. (laughs) So you know what? I'm going to use something, might be a vice, but I'm going to use it to my benefit. So I put a sticky note on my coffee pot and I do this with almost all my clients who are coffee lovers, (laughs) or if you're somebody who drinks tea or whatever that might be, pick something you already do every day consistently, put a sticky note on it. And if you want to write on it, you can, or if you want it private, you're going to know blue sticky note means 
X, Y, Z. So we're going to incorporate there as maybe a break, like breath work. The other thing might need to be is that we need to think about how could we increase that life? So where can I find or what would it be that would bring more joy in my life? Mm-hmm. So joy is the emotional opposite mm-hmm. of pain and suffering. Wow. So if we increase one, we're going to bring that sliding scale away from the suffering, mm-hmm. right? Which is really what we hate. The pain we could probably live with. The suffering is worse. And I, I say that very you know, cautiously, not everyone can live with that pain. There's some very intense pain, Mm -hmm. specifically, you know, endometriosis, adenomyosis, but that suffering, we can move that up towards the joy side of the scale. Mm -hmm. So I want people to think about what's one thing they could do every day that takes less than 30 seconds that would bring them joy. Mm -hmm. And if that's looking at a picture of someone they love, put that on the coffee pot, do it right? And spend 30 seconds staring at that picture. Mm -hmm. If that means putting up a quote that they love and timing it on their phone to come up every hour or three times a day, a positive affirmation, those are tiny little things that make such a big difference. And I don't think we give them enough credit, Mm -hmm. but we have to start with the sensory inputs around us. So we either need to cut out the toxic and negative. So maybe turn off the news right now, (laughs) turn it off (laughs) and replace it with something positive. Mm -hmm. So those are going to be the the things that we start. And so as a public health occupational therapist, that's in my wheelhouse to work sensory, to do cognitive behavioral therapy, acceptance, commitment therapy. We need to address all those pieces and we'll get there, Mm -hmm. but you need to start at 1% Mm. breathing, drink one more glass of water a day than you did say something nice to yourself and believe it. Mm -hmm. These are all tiny little things that it doesn't seem like they'd make the difference, but will absolutely when you build on them. So after a week, we might add another one. They will make huge changes in your mental health, in your physical health, particularly in your pelvic health because that's also where we hold emotion, trauma, and feeling is right down in that pelvic core. So when you're feeling stressed out or when you're not feeling great about a decision, maybe you might notice your bowel habits actually change. Hmm. People get very loose stools when they're super stressed out. Some people get very constipated. So when I hear things around like IBS or different things like that, so irritable bowel syndrome, I automatically think pelvic floor dysfunction, Mm. both sides. And we always want to go, well, if I can't improve this, what could I improve over here that might impact that? Right, right. Wow, a wonderful overview. And it's a great reminder to everyone, the fact that health, when it comes to whether it's, you know, pain, physical aspects of things in your diet, it all ends up stemming back to our mental thoughts and our mental health. So it's just great reminders to like breathe throughout the day. And so just whatever that looks like for you with the reminders, breathing throughout the day and relaxing, finding the joy in the day. And then also just, yeah, just not focusing on stress nearly as much. And it's so difficult it can be for women, but I know that incorporating breath work and um, the little bits of joy will really 
starts to swing you the opposite direction in the, in the opposite right direction, I should say. So great reminders. Hmm. Now, are there any key takeaways you have for listeners, Lindsay, before we start to wrap up, up our episode? Absolutely. I think some of the key things are, and we've already kind of harped on this a little bit, but really we all want the same thing. We want to know a, that pain isn't a forever or won't stay the same. Mm -hmm. And that will be different for different people, how that might change or how we live with that. But we all just want to function. We want to do the things we need and want to do in the day. And that's where I talk about in, in a program, we'll talk later about that maybe, but is mother function. And I don't, I don't swear on my social media. I don't (laughs) swear in podcasts and different things, but mother function just kind of comes out. Like I just want a mother function in the day. (laughs) So what, if you really want that, what's one tiny thing you can do that 1% that takeaway, choose your 1%. It can be anything. And that's the cool part is that yours and mine could be very different and we both see results. Mm -hmm. Um, The last thing is if you are a person, it doesn't matter if you're a woman, man, whatever that looks like, um, a transgender individual, if you think that there might be a chance that there's something going on with your pelvic health, seek help. There is help. So there are pelvic floor therapists, both occupational therapists and physiotherapists all over the world, right? And so I will throw that out at the end too, but if you ever need help, contact me and we'll connect you. I was just telling April that, you know, I just sent a referral to Chicago. Chicago is essentially on the other side of the continent from me, right? So I think that's the cool part is you can always find someone who's willing to try and connect you and help you. Mm. So those are the takeaways. Mm. 1%, whatever it looks like to you, finding joy is always a great thing. If you don't know what joy feels like, you might need some help with that too, right? That's okay. That's okay. And then the last thing is really, if you, if you're wondering, seek help. And really the stats say about 70% of women are going to have pelvic floor um, difficulties at some point in their life. And about one in four will experience kind of uh, persistent pelvic pain. Mm, Wow. Lindsay, you have just so much information that is just vital for listeners. And I just appreciate you sharing your experience, your knowledge. Um, It's really means the world. And before we wrap everything up, let's dive into the rapid fire questions. (laughs) I love these. Thank you. I know, right? (laughs) They're so fun. So the first one I have for you is who is the most influential woman in your life? And they could be past, they could be present. um, Someone you've met, someone you may have not met anyone that is influential. It's my mom, hands down. Mm. Yeah, that one's an emotional one for me today. We're finding out today about some really hard um, story. I didn't mean to do this today. You can can cry on my podcast. (laughs) As we speak, my mom is uh, having some testing done to see um, what some next medical steps are doing. So I'm so sorry, Lindsay. And thank you for sharing because... I mean, it's, yeah, it's an, it's important and we appreciate you. We appreciate her and stay strong. Just breathing. (laughs) Just breathe. 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 (laughs) Joy. Oh man. Uh, What what is your favorite food? 
<laughs> Let's right. dive right into a something surface level. <laughs> Let's do it. Uh, no, I think it's great. Um, I just laughed a little bit because come back to that meat and potatoes. So part of my background is Mennonite. And so I love pierogies. So oh, really good pierogies, like <laughs> homemade are great. And speaking oh. of my mom, she makes fantastic pierogies and she is not Mennonite. So mm. wow. she always she's a bad cook and she's totally wrong. She makes yeah. It's like joy, mom, joy, joy, <laughs> mom. <laughs> I'm going to eat like 19 of these. Which yeah. Probably isn't my best choice for health, but man, is there joy in that moment. Oh right? man. I, I have a Polish background, like ancestral background, I should say. There you go. And yeah. so pierogies are definitely in that diet and man, yeah. they are so, so good. So I, so I can relate. <laughs> um, are you a past, present or a future thinker? I am all three. Hmm. That's great to have that. <laughs> it's so great to focus on each area because you can use the past to discern the future and being in the present moment is when you're most intentional. So they just, they all go hand in hand. Yeah. I, I think once you are, you always are. So yeah. that's fantastic. Definitely. Um, what is your favorite travel destination or a dream destination that you have? Oh, in COVID, she asked the hard question. <laughs> I've got to. <laughs> yeah, um, I would say the favorite place I have been is Mexico. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of Canadians go there for the sunshine and the warmth. But my dream destination is actually um, different places in Europe. So I would love to go to Greece for the Olympics. Oh, my God. That all out. My so, language, Lindsay. <laughs> yeah, right. So that would be my my dream destination when we can all travel again. Totally. I'm with you there. Greece is definitely, I mean, if not number one on my list for visiting, because it's just not only do you have the historical aspect of things and seeing, you know, the historical Olympics, but then, you know, the food is just amazing. (sighs) Fresh Mediterranean. Yeah. And then you got the beautiful ocean. I'm thinking like I'm picturing Santorini with the white buildings, like, yeah, got it all. <laughs> and we're in, I'm in landlocked Alberta. Like we have the Rocky mountains, which are beautiful. I know you have the same, but yeah, <laughs> it's definitely not Greece though. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, and then the last question and, you know, knowing from the episode we just recorded, you definitely are a reader. I love the book choices you, you referenced. What are you reading right now? Oh my gosh. Oh, this, that's kind of boring <laughs> for me. No. So I'm rereading, and this is be a great book for any of your listeners. Um, Come As You Are by Dr. Emily Nagoski. Uh, talks about sexual function in women. Uh, it's a very eye-opening uh, thing. I would not have it on Audible if you're not comfortable with everybody in the vehicle listening to it. <laughs> but it's a great read. So come as you are, I'm rereading. And then I'm also building or reading, I think it's called Simple Wealth Building by Jim Collins. And it was recommended at the One Thing Retreat that I attended virtually this year. Wow. That's so amazing. I, I just, your book choices are right on. And I actually just read the one thing, you know, read Atomic Habits and I'll have to read Come As You Are, but actual Mm -hmm. physical copy. Very cool. Very cool. I thank you so much for sharing that. And overall, Lindsay, this has been such a valuable interview and um, you're just so genuine and you, and you talked about just calming your body, but you truly like give a calming presence. Like the whole interview, I'm just 
I was in this calm state, am in this calm state, and you just, you're so patient and you just genuine. And so anyone that works with you is truly blessed. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And I think that this podcast is just going to help so many people, right? The podcast in general, the guests you've had on so far and the guests coming forward. Um, I think it just be, be kind of that stepping off point that so many women in their life need to just push them a little bit further to take care of, you know, their, themselves first. Thank you so much. That's, that's the goal and just to serve others well. And um, last thing I have is how can listeners connect with you? Absolutely. So I'm on all the, I shouldn't say all the social medias. I'm not a Twitter person, okay. uh, Facebook and Instagram. So I'm under both um, emotion therapy okay. and mother function. So emotion therapy is our brick and mortar clinic here in Alberta, Canada. Um, if you're looking for public health specific, that would be the place to go for some information and connect with us. And then mother function is our way to kind of spread the love a little further. And so motherfunction.ca, I think on Instagram, actually motherfunction.ca um, is really where we can help women all over the world who are living with um, chronic pelvic pain. And so those are the women that probably are my most favorite to work with because we really can start to chip away at some of those long standing habits or issues and start to create function, joy, um, and define the life that we want for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that's where, where I am. You can also always shoot me an email. Uh, all of our contact information is on the website at www.e-motiontherapy.com and quick biz tip, never put a hyphen in your name <laughs> ever <laughs> in your business, but e-motiontherapy is a.com is our website as well. And we do have a free resource there. Uh, if you go to e-motiontherapy.com slash mother function, there is um, a PDF resource there. And if you're really kind of wanting to learn more, that's where I'd go. We are having um, a group coaching program. We used to run it as a program online, six to eight weeks long um, and called living well with pelvic pain. That was so boring. <laughs> so boring. <laughs> So we've really learned and then kind of jazzed that up and, and really got from people who took the courses, what we do need to do to meet their needs. And we're going to be launching a six month group coaching program uh, at the beginning of April. So watch for that in late March, kind of to sign up and I'm excited about it. I always love helping. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I think group coaching is so, so vital, especially this day and age, just building that community of like-minded women who are maybe experiencing the same thing as you and just being able to, you know, feel the hope of like, I'm not the only one. So that, and you're going to, you're going to lead so well with that. And I'm so, so excited for that too. <laughs> Thank you. That's interesting. You picked that out. That was the number one thing that okay. people who took the quote unquote program said is wow. they want community. Wow. So easy. Wow. I'm a huge fan of groups. Let's do it. Let's do it. Love it. Wow. Lindsay, this is great. All of that will be in the show notes as well for listeners. Thank you so much for taking the time and I look forward to staying connected. Mm -hmm.